0: Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh God, amen. This gospel, which begins the months that is preparing for the Incarnation of our Lord through the Nativity of Christ, the Church now changes its direction and moves towards readings that have to do with the Annunciation, that have to do with the birth of Christ among us. And it begins with words that Zacharias and Elizabeth, they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well-advanced in years. That an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right hand side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Notice also the two reactions of Elizabeth and Zacharias. For Zacharias, he says to the angel, How shall I know this? I'm an old man, my wife is well advanced in years. How is it possible that we will have a child? It's physically impossible. And the angel, because of his disbelief, responds and says to him, But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place. And then he comes out of the temple and the people see that he is silent, for he beckons to them and remains speechless. Silent. He is silent. His reaction to this is forced silence. We don't know what happened in these nine months. He was a priest, if you recall, which means that he was called to tend to people, to care for them. He was a husband. Was called to speak to his wife. Imagine then people telling him their problems and his only response is silence. I would love to have a gift of silence. <laughs> people come and sit with me for confession. They speak, 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 speak. Silence. His wife telling him her problems silence his wife telling him off silence his wife telling him off for being silent silence nine months of beautiful silence but in actual fact Elizabeth herself also has a reaction of silence it says that as soon as this happened and he returned to his own house now Elizabeth after those days conceived and she hid herself five months in. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when He looked to me to take away my reproach among people." She was elderly. She was barren. For the last 30 or 40 years, since she had been of age, she had watched month by month all of her friends, her family, her neighbors, even perhaps her enemies, fall pregnant one by one. And yet she was barren. For those of you that have ever experienced this, in the waiting for a child or had someone experienced that or someone around you, there is perhaps no greater agony for a woman than to wait to fall pregnant, to be unable to fall pregnant. And now she was pregnant. Her reaction would have been to go to the rooftop and to scream it out that I'm finally pregnant. After 30 or 40 years of trying, we are finally pregnant. And not only is this um, a gift, This is something that is supernatural. This is something that is a miracle. It was impossible for me to fall pregnant. You would expect her to shout it out, to share it with her friends. Instead, she hides herself for five months. She takes upon herself silence in reflection on this mystery. And the only person that she has at home with her is silent, unable to speak. And so there is both... In Zacharias, as well as Elizabeth, silence before the mystery of God. But notice that silence is not something of melancholy. It's not something of sadness. It's not something of depression. It's an actual fact of joy. The angel says to Zacharias, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. We can only imagine Elizabeth's joy. After 30 years of yearning for a child, and then she falls pregnant. And then we can imagine the joy of silence between them. During those months of silence, when it's only them, no one knows what's happening outside their house, there must have been this series of joyful gestures between them a wink, a touch, a caress, a smile, looking into each other's eyes, knowing that after 30 or 40 years of pain, of embarrassment, of shame, that maybe something was wrong with them, they now. We're not only pregnant, but we're pregnant with the mystery of God. Pregnant with the one that would come to prepare the way of the Lord. They only needed to look at each other to share that mystery. And yet we often wonder why we are imperceptible to mystery. Why we are imperceptible to the deep presence of God among us. Why we cannot sense it. Why we are cold. You know, when I used to work in hospital, I was always amazed by anesthesia. Always. It's a word that comes from a Greek root, which means aesthetikos, to perceive. It's where we get the word aesthetics from. To perceive something, to sense something. The opposite of that, ana, in Greek, means un, not. Means the exact opposite of that. To become imperceptible. To become unsensing. To become unable to perceive something. And so when you give someone an aesthetic, They become numb to everything around them. They become numb to pain. They become numb to sound. And so it's very useful if you're trying to perform a very painful surgery on someone. Anesthetic is the inability to perceive. It numbs us. And yet that is exactly what I would say is the condition of many of us. Noise, visual, oral, constant distraction, things that we see, they numb us to the mystery. There are anesthetics. They make it impossible for us to perceive the reality that is around us. And it's almost like we're in this communal coma as as human beings. We share this coma with each other. We share this anesthesia with each other. Hey, did you see this? Sharing constant messages, constant videos, constant TikTok, constant YouTube in our faces. In anesthesia, literally numbing our senses to the reality. And this is precisely what silence acts to reverse this is precisely what reverence acts to reverse it's precisely what kneeling before the mystery of god acts to reverse it forces us out of our anesthetic in fact this is exactly what the liturgy is it's an immersion in reality it's a waking from a coma something that happens on a weekly basis the church from the beginning from the earliest christians practiced as a way of waking us up to a reality that is beyond the noise and distraction of this world elizabeth was smarter than her husband which is usually the case she chose silence but zacharias was forced into silence he was forced to be silent before the mystery of god he was forced to have a chance to perceive something beyond him silence broke him out of his anesthetic and allowed him to perceive the great mystery of God. Whenever I think about this, I think of two stories. One was a young man that confesses with me, who asked me for a spiritual exercise. He may be sitting somewhere here, and I'll embarrass him. In his particular case, silence was absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Not even a day later, after I gave him this exercise, he called me, of course unable to be silent for two seconds. And he said to me i finally understand father the power of silence i said what happened he said for the first time ever while i was driving i turned off the radio i turned off my phone so there's no phone calls and then because it was so quiet i started to hear this constant metallic sound ding 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 and so then i started to concentrate on it because the first time i've ever heard this sound and then i couldn't handle it anymore i pulled the car over and I realized there was a nail in the wheel that every time it hit the asphalt, it was making this dinging sound. Without silence, that tire on a highway would eventually blow. And so silence gave him the capacity to observe, to become aware of a reality, to become aware of a reality that is hidden by the destructions of this world, that makes us imperceptible to it. The second is Yvenia Ginsburg. Um, who wrote a a memoir of her time in prison during communism. She was in prison for two years in solitary confinement. Solitary confinement is when you are alone in a cell. In approximately a one and a half meter by one meter cell, she stayed there for two years. For two years during Stalin's Great Purge. And they had something called imposed silence as a kind of psychological torture. Even the guards were trained in silence. And so they only spoke maybe four words to her in a day. Wash, toilet, exercise, bread. In her memoirs, she writes, how much silence is there in the world? How much silence is in the world? Because it was invading her. It was invading her. It was an incredibly effective psychological torture to the point that it started to cause a deep agony within her, a deep anxiety, a deep depression. She said, but then at the same time, after a period of silence, something else happened something else happened. She said, I was able to observe the virtuosity that human memory can develop when it's sharpened by loneliness, complete isolation. She goes, one remembers with amazing accuracy everything one has ever read, even though it was quite a long time ago, and can repeat whole pages of books one had believed long forgotten. She says, without sound, in silence, without stimulation, she became more perceptible, to the point that she was able to remember things that she thought she had totally forgotten. What then about the actual reality of God? What about his deep presence among us? Metropolitan Anthony Bloom, who was a Russian bishop living in England, says silence allows us to be completely aware of the word we are receiving, completely alert and yet in complete repose. The silence I'm speaking of is the silence of the century. On duty at a critical moment, alert, immobile, poised, and yet alive to every sound and every movement. He's saying this silence is like when you were a guard, where you are on um, sentinel duty, where you are standing, caring, watching for the enemy, watching for a single crack of a leaf, a single crack of a branch, so that you can alert people that were being attacked. Can you imagine that guard as he starts his shift? Putting earpods in? Getting at his phone? Watching Netflix? It would be the same as being under anesthesia. You are imperceptible to the reality that is happening. St. Isaac the Syrian, one of the early church fathers, says, Silence is the sacrament of the world to come. It's the mystery of the world to come. Because silence allows us to be ready. Allows us to be poised allows us to be alert allows us to be present so we can hear god speaking silence breaks us out of the our comas it gives us the capacity to perceive the mystery of god so the next time you're alone perhaps this week as an exercise maybe 10 minutes the next time you're alone whether in your car whether in your own home whether on the bus on the train wherever you are before you put your ear pods in as you crack open the case just to remember this. By putting those earpods in my ears, anesthesia. I'm numbing myself. I'm making myself unable to perceive the mystery of God around me. And then instead of doing that, stop, cross yourself, and put yourself in silence before the Lord and say to Him, speak to me. Say to Him, speak to me. Really, I believe that this is a chance for us all to perceive The liturgy is an acute chance for us all to perceive, to be silent to the world and instead to kneel in reverence before the mystery of God. Glory be to God for the mother. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart and we pray that it will not only inform you but will also transform you and your life with Christ.